0: We choose this time because it is a time of all others when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall I put you down for? Nothing, Scrooge replied. You wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left alone, said Scrooge. Since you ask me what I wish, gentlemen, that is my answer. I don't make merry myself at Christmas, and I can't afford to make idle people merry. I help to support the establishments I have mentioned. They cost enough, and those who are badly off must go there. Many can't go there, and many would rather die. If they would rather die, said Scrooge, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue their point, the gentleman withdrew. Scrooge resumed his labors with an improved opinion of himself. Meanwhile the fog and the darkness thickened so that people ran about with flaring links proffering their services to go before horses and carriages and conduct them on their way. The ancient tower of a church whose gruffled bell was always peeping slyly down at Scrooge out of a gothic window in the wall became invisible and struck the hours and quarters in the clouds with tremulous vibrations afterwards as if its teeth were chattering in its frozen head up there. The cold became intense. In the main street at the corner of the court, some laborers were repairing the gas pipes and had lighted a great fire in a brazier, round which a party of ragged men and boys were gathered, warming their hands and winking their eyes before the blaze in rapture. The water plug being left in solitude, its overflowing suddenly congealed and turned to misanthropic ice. The brightness of the shops, where holly sprigs and berries crackled in the lamp-heat of the windows, made pale faces ruddy as they passed. Poulterers and grocers' trades became a splendid joke, a glorious pageant, with which it was next to impossible to believe that such a dull principles as bargain and sale had anything to do. Foggier yet and colder, piercing, searching, biting cold, If the good Saint Dunstan had but nipped the evil spirit's nose with a touch of such weather as that, instead of using his familiar weapons, then indeed he would have roared with lusty purpose. The owner of one scant young nose, gnawed and mumbled by the hungry cold as bones are gnawed by dogs, stooped down at Scrooge's keyhole to regale him with a Christmas carol. But at the first sound of, God bless you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dis... Scrooge seized the ruler with such energy of action that the singer fled in terror, leaving the keyhole to the fog, and even more congenial frost. Merry Christmas Eve, and welcome to the Cast. I wanted to read you an excerpt of one of my favorite books of all time, A Christmas Carol. One of my little traditions that I have every year is I actually listen to the entire A Christmas Carol volume as read by Sir Patrick Stewart. Many of you may know him as Captain Picard on Star Trek. And uh, if you don't know who Captain Picard is, well, you need to watch Star Trek immediately. So Patrick Stewart does a performance. It's not just a reading, but a performance of this book. And you can get it on Audible um, or from anywhere. Audiobooks are sold probably. And he does Scrooge's voice. He does the voices of the three spirits that visit him. Um, It's just marvelous. I love the book. I love Patrick Stewart's performance of it. And I listen to it every year. And I was just listening to it just now. And that exact passage really struck me as one of my very favorites. That comes from the very beginning of the story. When you begin on Christmas Eve night and it's London and there's just this bitter, biting, terrible cold and this fog that just permeates every chink and keyhole of the city and scrooge is sitting in his counting house uh, working away and his poor clerk is sitting is sitting there working like a dog and he's got one little piece of coal to keep him warm and no more because scrooge is so cheap and he won't let him have enough coal to keep himself warm and i think the most amazing part of that introduction of Scrooge, and he turns away, you know, the men that are seeking help for the poor, seeking donations. He argues with his clerk about having Christmas Day off. And all the while, this fog is just thickening and it's just covering everything. And it's just filling every space with cold and darkness. What a way to begin a christmas story one of the best christmas stories it's interesting to me that in the beginning of the book uh, at least in one version i read charles dickens offers an apologia for why it's this spooky creepy ghost story and it's supposed to be this uplifting christmas story And, and he kind of explains to his readers I'm sorry if this offends you that it has I'm paraphrasing of course and from distant memory so but he basically offers a defense of why he has such a dark and uh, spooky theme and it's because as I interpret the story really he had to go to that place to explore the dark corners of the human soul in order to bring us into the light that you find at the end of the story and the beauty of Christmas and the Christmas spirit. It's just a wonderful story. And that beginning has always stuck with me because it just sets the tone. And it just got me thinking about how the fog is almost a character in and of itself. And in all of my writing, I look at it very, I look at the setting, the environment, everything that's going on around the characters as being very important to the story. There's a great book called Save the Cat, which is all about how to write a really epic, well, epic might be a bit overused. It's how to write a really good movie. And one of the thing, there are two concepts, two pieces of every film that in the book are considered to be extremely important. So Blake Snyder, the author, identifies these two pieces as the opening image and the final image. And really, it, they, are, they are meant to be, in many ways, they can be opposites of each other. I think they should be, but if nothing else, they sort of frame the film in a very meaningful way. A snapshot of where we started and a snapshot of, where, snapshot of where we ended. And if you're a good filmmaker and a good script writer, you choose those images very, very carefully. The first and last thing your viewer sees in the film. And I think novels and chapters need to have that as well. And A Christmas Carol has one of the best opening and closing images in all of fiction. And that opening image of the fog and the cold and the darkness is, is just essential to the story. And I don't know, I love Christmas and I love the, the cheer and the good feelings of it, but there's something about Christmas Eve And even as I'm reading, even as I'm doing this podcast, it's about, oh, look at that. It's 18 seconds to midnight. I wanted to speak to you now at this time because there's something about this moment in Christmas Eve, late at night, at midnight, you're alone or you're, or it's quiet and you're going to bed and there's the maybe the the memory of the celebration before the anticipation of the celebration to come and that moment of quiet calm over the world and that is the perfect space for this spooky Christmas story a Christmas carol So for some reason, I just love listening to it when I have some quiet time alone and it's late at night on Christmas Eve. And I don't know if I'll get through all of it tonight because I'm rather tired. I had a pretty long day, but listening to those first few chapters as read by the great Sir Patrick Stewart was so worth it. So if you haven't heard this audio version of A Christmas Carol, I really recommend it. And if you haven't read the book lately, it's a great book, and it's pretty short, and it's a great read by Charles Dickens, the original Christmas story. So this was one of the best Christmas Eves I've ever had, and it's really interesting because I essentially... I made a decision this Christmas Eve that I really wanted to have, not to have, but to bring joy to others. There's a a challenge I've received from a coach of mine to ask myself, what experience do I want to create for others? And that's been really helpful to me in my life recently as I've been struggling with, you know, Feeling down or struggling with things that I wish were better in my life. And instead of worrying about what experience I want for myself in a given situation, asking what experience do I want to create for others? And it's been really an amazing gift to think of things that way. And so this Christmas, you know, holidays can be stressful and family can be stressful. And so this year, I made a decision that I, I am going to contribute to this Christmas what I want every Christmas to be. Be the change you want to see in the world, so to speak. And uh, you'll love this. I was at the grocery store last night preparing, buying food for dinner and things like that, and I picked up a Santa hat more on that in a moment, but, you know, this year the family was pretty disorganized, texts were flying around, and people were were like, well, we're not sure what we're doing, and we're not sure who's going to be where, and nobody's really planned anything, and we don't know what we're going to have for dinner, and and it kind of looked like Christmas was falling apart for our family, in one of the first, first times ever, and my mom was kind of lamenting the fact that this was happening and was really disappointed and slipping into that. We were, we were both tempted to slip into that complaining mentality of just saying, Oh, this is, you know, why just complaining about family and criticizing and, and I decided, well, I don't want to bring that energy to this Christmas. And so I said, well, why don't we just do our own Christmas? Why don't we just do our own thing and invite whoever wants to come and whoever wants to come is welcome. But you and I and, you know, my aunt and my grandmother and, you know, just a few handful will be here on Christmas Eve and we'll have some dinner, something that we like, and we'll open a few gifts and we'll just have a good time and we'll invite anyone who wants to come. And we said, "Okay, and we're not usually the ones that make the dinner for for the family. I certainly don't. I'm usually the one that sits on the couch while others make it." And I said, "All right, well this what do we want to have?" And so we made a decision. We're going to have some ribeye steaks, which is usually not what we have for Christmas. And we're going to have I said, "You know what? I there's this great cheesy mashed potato casserole." that my sister makes and I'm gonna try her recipe. And you know what, I've never had and never made homemade hot chocolate. I'm gonna make some homemade hot chocolate and keep it warm the entire night so that anyone that wants hot chocolate can get it whenever they want. And maybe my aunt would like to make her famous chocolate chip cookies. And we sent out a text message saying, hey, this is our plan and this is where we're gonna be. Uh, 6.30 p.m. Christmas Eve, if you'd like to come, let us know. And a funny thing happened, you know. It's like, at first there was a little bit of, well, we're not sure, and we'll see what happens. And then before you know it, the texts are coming in. And, well, we had 20 people basically coming over for Christmas Eve. So today, I had a big job ahead of me. I have to prepare for all this because I volunteered to cook the steaks to barbecue them. I volunteered to make this mashed potato recipe I've never made. I volunteered to make hot chocolate, which I never made. I still had presents to wrap. And uh, so I got up this morning. I worked out, which was great. And then, and this is the most important part, I put on my magic Santa hat. Significant pause. What is the magic Santa hat? Well, it's a Santa hat, and as long as I'm wearing it, I simply made a rule for myself. When this hat is on my head, I am only capable of bringing joy and happiness and holiday cheer to others, no matter what. I did what I do best. I created a character, and I stepped into that character. And so I told people, I said, this is my magic Santa hat. And whenever I'm wearing it, I can only bring holiday cheer to others. I think I was basically channeling uh, Will Ferrell's elf character from that movie because I acted absolutely crazy. I was dancing around, singing Christmas carols, hugging people. and i did this little game i would play i would i would start to complain about something when the hat wasn't on my head and i'd start to say something like you know tyler i could really use your help with the christmas tree and it's really frustrating to me and now just imagine me putting on the hat and as it touches my head i go from i go from that to i'm really frustrated tyler and i just need to tell you that you really are the best cousin ever and i love you so much and i'm so glad you're here and i'm so happy and i jump on him and give him a noogie and all that stuff. And and I just, whether I felt it or not, I just acted as though I was the most cheerful person on, on earth. And the most important piece is I literally said, what could I do that would make this person feel happy and cheerful and feel joy and love and that they were valued and appreciated and that was exactly what i was doing and you know i've got to tell you something i felt it all day long i mean i was i mean i hate to misuse the word literally but i feel that i was literally drunk on holiday cheer all day to the point where my mom was laughing and said uh this is freaking me out a little bit and i said good then it means it's working I've never, and I was completely stone-cold sober, and I was acting almost as completely uninhibited as if I had been drunk, and I wasn't. And that's just incredible. This is the first Christmas in probably 15 years that I haven't been drinking, and I was tempted to, but I didn't. And it's just a testament to how powerful just a spirit of play and spontaneity and joy. You know, we grow up and we become adults and we think we don't have that gift anymore, but we do. We all have it within ourselves. You can make a decision to bring other people joy. And bringing them joy doesn't just mean being cheerful or being joyful, although that's certainly a part of it, but it means looking at them and saying, what is something this person needs right now? What is one thing that would make them happy right now in their life? I'll give you an example. My uncle came over and he was in a grumpy mood. And of course I come bounding up to him. Hey uncle, this is my magic hat. This is my magic Santa hat. And it means that I can only be cheerful and happy And he says, well, I'm grumpy. And you could tell. He was like, "Uh, you're a little bit extra right now, pal. (laughs) He was not having it at all. And I gave him a hug, a really deep hug, which is not usually my custom. And then I gave him another really deep hug. And I could tell he was visibly annoyed. And I I didn't let that deter me at all. Ah, you know, what are nephews for if not to annoy you? But I did think about it. I was like, hmm, I haven't brought him joy yet. Challenge accepted. And so I started thinking about other ways I could bring him joy and happiness. And it turns out I was firing up the grill and it was charcoal. I've never used charcoal before and I was extremely nervous about ruining some very expensive ribeye steaks. And uh, I decided that since he's a grill master and he usually is the one in the family who does that, a, I did need his help, and B, asking for his help is something that would show him that I value him and his input, and it would, I think, make him happy and bring him joy. And so I said, "Hey, Uncle, I, I could really use your help on these steaks. You know, I've never cooked on charcoal before, and the coals are, they're not quite hot enough. And uh, you know, gee, I, I could really use your input." And he he was like, well, I'm really glad you're doing it because I don't want to do it this year. And he said, but yeah, sure, I'll give you some pointers. Then my other uncle, his brother came over and he too, I was asking him for help. I was like, hey, you know, I could use your advice on this. And before you know it, my cousin, my two uncles, and myself were all standing around that grill and the coals go from being too cold to being flaming hot and they're just, just flames leaping up and practically burning these steaks and I get really nervous because I'm thinking oh my god you know here's 20 beautiful gorgeous steaks and I'm about to just destroy them turn them into beef jerky but you know my uncles were really awesome they're like oh you know you just just flip them a couple extra times you know let's put the lid on there to keep the fire down a little you know you're doing good Gary you're doing good And again, this is usually the point where I'm standing around a grill talking to my uncles. Usually I'm like, I need a beer, I need something. And I I was like, nope, not going to do that today because I want to enjoy this moment as me and not as the alternate version of me, not as the alcohol version of me, just me. And We had a great time and the steaks, by the way, came out wonderful. They were just excellent. And I, there were no fights in the family. There were no harsh words. There was no negative gossip about other people, maybe a couple things here and there, but I'm telling you it was a table of smiles and good cheer and joking and laughing And then we opened presents and the kids were having fun and everyone was gathered around and talking. It was warm. It was beautiful. And I've got to tell you, it was absolutely wonderful. And I think it just goes to show you that what you can put that energy in the world that you want and you can get it back tenfold The return on your investment for bringing a little joy to others is, oh, it's so money. And I'm not taking credit by any means. You know what? Maybe I'm taking a little credit. I made a decision to bring joy and cheer to others. And all I will say is it resulted in a wonderful evening. And if nothing else, I had fun. I honestly can't remember ever having, at least in the last 12, 15 years, a better Christmas. And it was exactly the kind of Christmas you dream of. People happy, smiling, just enjoying each other's company, feeling grateful and happy and full and satisfied and Could have gone a different way. It always can. So, I just want you to know that as you're sitting at the table with your family, if you're dreading anything about Christmas, I suggest if you have say a Santa hat, just collecting dust in the closet or something else, just any kind of hat, Make a decision that it's your magic hat and that when you put it on, you are a character of pure joy and happiness. And your only mission in life is to spread that joy and happiness to others. And that's the rule. You can only bring joy and happiness to others. While you're wearing the hat, if you need to take it off for a breather, I understand. But when that hat is on, that's the rule give it a try and just see what happens. I certainly had a lot of fun with it. So I just want to wish you all a very merry Christmas Eve, a very happy Hanukkah, a very happy holiday of whatever kind you celebrate. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I want you to know that You are loved, and you are valued, and I want you to feel joy. So Merry Christmas to you all, and to all, a good night.